we need to prioritize things. Number one, what is the priority you know, at work? The priority is not to, to, to do the job well. It's not to making money. The priority is about how to serve God the most then. Good day, everyone. Thanks for listening and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, stay current with us by following along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. And for more information on Disciple of City or to drop us a line, send an email to discipleofcity.ca. As always on this show, we hear the stories of how people encountered Jesus and how that's changed their life today. My guest today is originally from China, growing up in Hong Kong. He began his career as an architect in the U.S., moved back and spent some time in Hong Kong and came to Toronto in the early 80s, where he led a group of companies to build more than 2,000 homes across Ontario. He's now the CEO and founder of Living Waters Resorts and Spa and Living Stone Golf Resort in Collingwood, Ontario. Please welcome Larry Law. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Larry, how are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to see you. And thanks for taking some time out to talk with us today. My pleasure. Things going well for you today? What a beautiful day, huh? Yes, well, why? I guess uh, why we are working for God every day is a good day. Yeah, Amen, Larry. Man, I just like to start at the beginning. Um, can you tell us about uh, your childhood, growing up in in China, and what would that what that was like for you? And if you grew up in any kind of faith? Uh, well, actually, I was raised up in Hong Kong, and um, basically, it was a tough society, and everyone just keep on working. And there was not much of religion at all. But my family, typical Chinese family, most of them are the the, um, the Buddhists. But actually, we did not understand it too much. So basically, you know, just, uh, you know, and growing up just like anyone else then. So you weren't, you, you're, you and your family weren't practicing Buddhists then at the time? No, not not that much, yeah. And so what what uh, level of Christianity would there have been in Hong Kong at that time? I went to a Christian school, but, um, you know, that was really not much of a Christian education. It was just a kind of uh, teaching and not much about um, touching the people's heart. So um, I'm, I'm sorry to say that even though I'd gone through a few years of the Christian teaching, but I did not learn anything about it, and I did not behave that way at all. So that was just like any other subject, like math, you know, like the math and the science and all these kind of things. Nothing spiritual in my in, in my life. So it, there is a difference in between China and Hong Kong, isn't that correct? Like as far as uh, Christianity goes, or or is there not? I think they were about the same. Pretty much, much that way. But most of the people um, basically is is making a living, and not much about uh, any religion. Okay. So what uh, what brought you to the U.S. then to start your career? Uh, um, I guess um, you know having um, a education overseas was considered to be um, quite a advanced education in the seventies. And so uh, I went to the state, you know, for my architecture because my family 
in Hong Kong was working um, as a uh, developer. So I felt that, you know, that would be a good education background. I need to earn it, you know, in order to um, carry on, you know, our family business that way. Okay. And so um, how many years did you spend in the U.S.? You went to school and did you start working in the U.S.? Yes, right. It was a four or five years of uh, architectural uh, education. And then um, I, um, I worked as architect in California. And that was another two, three years. So I would say about you know seven, eight years, I stayed in the States then before I moved back to Hong Kong to work for my family as a builder developer. So when you were in the States, did you have any um did you have any spiritual encounters? Did you encounter Jesus? Did uh did anybody share the gospel with you while you were down? No, yeah, not at all. At, at that time I was still young. I was just one of many, many of uh, the party goer and have a good time, you know, you know, um every night and just like most of the people in California in looking for, you know, the the, the fun and what they call is a party fun, that kind of thing. <laughs> the party fun and you still manage to get a, a good education in architecture? I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Well, that was uh, why I after I, I graduate, but I work as architect, and uh, I you know I have a lot of time after work, so I just trying to uh, be one of you know those people, and have a good time at night. <laughs> just to what was going on at the time. Yeah. So you went back to Hong Kong, worked with your family in the family business, and then what what brought you to? Uh, Toronto, because effectively you came to Toronto in the 80s, you moved, right? Yes, right. Well, I was working for my family, and I tried to um, prove myself. Unfortunately, um, in the society, the people only recognize, oh, you are the son of so-and-so. And so that did not sit well with me, and I want to prove that, you know, I could do something, and I don't think I could have such a freedom. Um, so uh, I always want to do something on my own. I want to start off something on my own. So, and um, I have a, a bit of um, the change of my life uh, expectation. So I moved to, um, to to Canada in 84 and to start it all over again. At that time, I had a different kind of, um, of a goal and not just a party going. I just want to build up my career. And so that, you know, my family would be proud of me so I want to prove something like that. And uh, so I changed my my focus. I really worked hard, you know, to um, not only to make a living, but at that time, you know, I meant to really prove that, you know, I am a good son of my family. And um, so I, I worked really seriously uh, to start it all on my own. And um, so with my solid background of education and practical uh, um, uh, business acumen, and I started all you know, on my own, and um, you know it turned out to be quite successful. And uh, in terms of about the physical thing, the physical thing, I mean money, the name, and feeling good about myself. At that time, I was just like any kind of uh, businessman, and uh, the success definition was based on um, about the money you're making. So uh, everything was self-centered, me and uh, me first, and that kind of, of a mentality. 
So you were almost like looking for your own identity, like just to, to, to break off from, as you had said, you were kind of in the culture more identified as the son of somebody. And so just looking to, to be your own, be your own person and searching it that way. Yes. Right. And then, um, uh, fortunately or unfortunately in 2001, my late wife passed away and I was very naive and I didn't take it very seriously. I thought that I could manage everything. And, um, and, um, so I promised her I will take care of you. Don't worry. So I did, you know, um, take care of her in terms of spending time with her, spending the money looking for a good doctor. And if the Canadian doctor, you told me, and it's getting tough. I took her to another country and uh, looking for any kind of uh, expert <laughs> doctor, alternative treatment, things like that. But all these things, you know, turned out to be in vain. And then uh, after all, she passed away. And that after that, though, and um, it was really a wake-up call. I tried to find out the meaning of life. And uh, before I considered what I just said to be important, and everything is me, and I can make it. If I'm hardworking, I'm intelligent, I should be able to do something and make something up. But even though so, I could not even save my wife. And so I was wondering, you know, what I'm chasing for and what was the meaning of life. And uh, before she passed away and uh, we were introduced going to church. And then later on, um, I, I got a feeling that, you know, the, the church people is quite, quite different. And they were happy. And I don't know why they're happy. And uh, so uh, after she passed away, and she told me that, you know, church will be a good place, you know, for me to raise the children. And uh, so I just uh, naive, you know, enough that, uh, okay, I follow her instruction and I took my children to church. And at the same time, I was open to seek, you know, what's going on in the church. But within a year, I turned to Christ. Wow. So when you when you moved to Canada, you were you were married already. Ah, uh, yeah. And so, uh, how many kids did you have? You guys have when you were here? Uh, I have four. So you're you're married with four kids, and you guys started going to church together. Just to just to back that up a little bit, uh, you, did you and your wife start going to church together? Some some people invited you. No. That was in her last days. Okay. And in her last days, and someone invites you know her to to go to to church, and I just dare to support her. And I, to be honest, I was in the church beside her, but I was just sleeping, and I didn't really pay attention to any sermon things like that. And um, so that was um, you know I now I look back. I, I think God really, you know, somehow, you know, was in control as a soft introduction to me. And somehow I was led into, you know, this kind of thing. And so so that was um, my humble beginning. But still, even though I get baptized, you know, I did not really know too much about those things. So it was sort of a lifelong journey of learning and experiencing God in the past 20 years. 
So when you, when you said that you had decided to give your life to Jesus, did, was this just a conscious decision or did something happen that sort of led you to make that step? No, um, actually, uh, I did not go in through any dramatic, you know, decision making. And somehow, you know, I just felt that, you know, it was about time and to follow and to, to follow God. And to be honest, though, um, I, I still did not feel that I knew enough, but I did, you know, um, uh, commit to him. But I think, uh, you know, my uh, spiritual journey was quite gradual. And after that, though, and I tried to um, um, uh, be a good Christian. And at that time, and, um, you know, our church, um, you know, have a different um, a missionary trip. So we went to China and to help out. And it was really good helping out. But at the same time, though, and every year, religiously, we went there every, almost like a, annual year. And, and, uh, but every time we went there, it was only about, you know, two weeks or less. And it was very rewarding. But I was not happy about only, you know, uh, serving God in two weeks. But at the same time, I was not ready to, like many of the people, say, oh, let me, let me retire and then I will serve God uh, by helping out in the church. And that was the building kind of uh, service. And I did not sit well that way until later on, I find out the marketplace ministry. Later on, I find out the, the, the BAM, the business of a mission. Then all in sudden, and I felt that, you know, I have a, um, a, a gold mine and, um, the door was very much open to me. And I felt excited because I was able to work for him on a daily basis, not only on a missionary trip. So what is uh, Marketplace Ministry? Marketplace Ministry, and um, I'm very passionate about that, is very rewarding in a spiritual life as well as a very practical life, you know, in the secular world. And number one, that, you know, we believe that God, you know, has um, a mission for us or a calling for us wherever we are. And which means that if you are, um, you know, working in any way in in uh, in a marketplace, that is a place he put you in. He has a calling for you to serve him through this platform. It's totally different, you know, from the way that oh, you know, I'm only here, you know, to uh, to to make a, a a living, and it's own, you know, and so many people they just don't feel they like to go into work. And Monday is is the, the the worst day for them, and Sunday seems to be the best day for them. But this is totally wrong, and God does not want us to have good time and serve Him only on Sunday, only in the church building, and uh, that is a is a good thing though. So once we have a mindset, and which means that I'm not working for myself no more, I'm I'm working for Him. So the mindset changed so much that if I'm working for him, you know, he is my boss in my life. He's my boss at work. And I'm not the owner of my business. He is. So in that sense, though, it's a lot of, of, uh, of uh, inspirational change. Number one, we would not be so stressful because before, you know, no matter what, though, I have to, to take care of all 
the the the, the difficulty, the problem, challenging that you know everyone else. Then, but today though, I learned to be living out my faith on a daily basis. I have uh, you know still still problem, but I I try to do my best you know during the daytime, and at night I hand over my worry to God. As such, though, I have good sleep every day. And uh, as such, though, I don't worry about that because I'm not uh, a lonely soldier. I'm working for him. I have a good partner. I have a good boss. And I can talk to him and so and so. So a lot of more of this kind of a, a biblical principle is very applicable at work. And a lot of people don't, don't know that. And what do you mean laughing? A lot of people thinking that, like me, for the first two and a half years, I would not dare to tell the people that I would follow Jesus, you know, at work, because I thought that in the marketplace, though, if you show your loving and caring with this soft heart, and people will step all over you, <laughs> and uh, and then the people will watch you, that hey, watching you to to do anything wrong, and they would jump on you, ha, huh? you know, this is the, what you call. The Jesus follower, but actually, and um, you know, and I got to understand that no matter how hard I will be, you know, uh, uh, working for Him, I will be like any other human being. I'll be making mistake, but that's all right. So long you try your very best not to make mistake intentionally, even no one around you. But on the other side, when you make mistake and you, you intentionally, and just, you know admit it and be be strong that um you know to admit that one and try to fix it next time and that's all I can promise to everyone and I, I and as such though and I, I have the love I have the joy I have the patience I have the self-control all this kind of a biblical virtue I try to to follow that sure I will never be be perfect but I can promise you that I have been better be a, be a better guy than who I was a year ago. I'm a much better guy than who I was 20 years ago. So in that sense, in that sense though, I feel I'm so much energized. I, so, I feel so secure. Fear is, is the, the bigger thing. And, and so everyone know that, you know, we've gone through the, the COVID and all, all this kind of thing. And I have my ups and downs. But when I look back now, my goodness, for the past two and a half years was my best spiritual experience I ever, ever gained. Wow. Wow. Um, so can you, um, I mean, that's, uh, that's quite a journey to just stepping back just a little bit. That's quite a, a journey of losing your wife, having to move forward with kids and, and run your businesses. And as you're growing spiritually, uh, what what did you feel initially started to shift with you as a as a business owner? Like as far as your, I mean, you talked a lot about uh, stuff there of of being you know still having your problems, but you feel this sort of freedom or like peace with God. But what shifted with you as a business person as your spirituality as your journey with God began to grow? What do you think was the most significant change in you as a well, I guess um, you know a, a lot of thing is is um is not much about the dramatic change. It's a gradual change. The first four is my mindset. That's what I mentioned to you, and I learned it that um, you know having a business 
or working at work is not for myself, it's for him. So that's a, that's a, a huge thing that, you know, a change that way. And the other thing is about, well, what are we going to do then? No one ever, ever taught me how to change it in a spiritual way, how to do things at work. And no MBA education ever, ever, you know, taught us that way. And I don't think that would be much of uh, the, the, the spiritual, you know, teaching in the church about how you really, really practically practice that way. Though. So it's a lot of baby step that way. So which means that, you know, my mindset turning into searching and uh, to have a more of a learning heart. And learning heart is about, you know, and a, such a diverse, uh, different kind of a learning. Now I look back. And God really, really sent a lot of angel to me to show me, especially I have um, a very good spiritual mentor and a very, you know, uh, a seasoned businessman. And he sort of explained that to me, and not by by the doctrine, not by the, any kind of a principle. He's just sharing his life to me. And it just raised me up that, you know, every day is a learning day that way. And and then the other change of mind, you know, uh, for the for doing business is his, is his, a lot, one two three. We need to prioritize things. Number one, what is the priority? You know, at work, the priority is not to 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 do the job well. It's not to making money. The priority is about how to serve God the most. Then. And only then we are talking about family, number two. And number three, we're talking about for the work. But this all related to. As such, though, if we set the priority well, and I think that set us free so well that a lot of uh, uh, gray area decision is quite, quite easy. Because basically, you know, if this is a gray area, we just don't do it. And I, I'm not afraid, you know, to losing the opportunity of making money and things like that. And our opportunity is, is about and uh, how to how to behaving well in front of the people. And in, in, that is what we're talking about, the, the biblical principle. And uh, when we make decision, when you know that in a department, that when a leader was not behaving well, how to deal with him or her then? And then you want to fire them right away, or you want to give them, you know, a, a couple couple times of changes opportunity, but in the end, he or she still be a very valuable, you know, leader in the company, making money for the company, but he or she is still no good. Well, that's a choice, though. Before, you know, well, I I try to to uh, to 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 justify. Now it's okay. This now this is his private life and things like that. But for us, though, it's a holistic. You know, holy decision, and I I have let go of quite a few leader because I try to you know go with the biblical principle, which is integrity, loving, and caring, and and be honest. And as such, though, if we let go of of, of people like that, though, and God, I always seen that if I honor God, God will honor me, and it happened from time to time like this. And just a few uh, two weeks ago, I received a email from someone ten years ago. I let him go because of some more wrongdoing. He emailed to me saying that Larry, thank you so much. 
and you changed my life in a spiritual way. I am a much be- a better person now. That was just a wow. priceless in our life, though. After 10 years, someone who supposed, you know, dislike me because I let him go home, but turn around, you know, he said that I have a, a, a good family now and so on and so forth like that, though. So we just never know. So in that sense, though, and the more and more of this, you know, courage to do the right thing and not necessarily, you know, that will be good right away return to us, though. But that's okay. We know that this is the right thing to do. So in that sense, though, and this is just an extreme, you know, uh, example. After 10 years, it came back to family. And as such, though, so many, many of the co-workers, and they know how I walk the talk. And that is another practical way that we stand up tall to be a good Christian business person. And we can be, we prove, we prove that the true thing though, we prove that the company can be sustainable, profitable. Meanwhile, we can be also doing good, doing good deed, doing common good and doing social good is a holistic thing. And the, the two benefit, they are not exclusive to, to the other. So many people ask me, it's ah, oh, you are doing so many kind of a good thing. Are you still making money? I, I told them that, well, of course, you know, there's no guarantee, but by God's grace, I am. Why? It could be expanded in the name and term. Because about two things, though, when, when, you know, the, I, I feel that, you know, the staff, they feel good about what they are doing, how they are treated. They feel that they are part of the, the, the team. They are making a difference in people's life. So they are not working for money. They're not just working for a living. They are working for a higher purpose. In that sense, though, the output would absolutely weigh more than, you know, what you discipline the people and then you put a gun on the head, this is the way to do and so on and so forth. Though. Not because they, they need to do it, because they want to do a good job. So that kind of, 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 uh, of a contribution is priceless now. And the other thing is about retention. You know, we have a way less of, you know, retention problem than other company in the industry. And that is money too. Because every new hire, it may cost 20 some thousand dollars. Why it costs so much though? Because a lot of new hire, for sure, the first six months, you know, they will not be performing 100%, right? And all this kind of thing. So there are a lot of soft benefit that we are making a difference that way. And the other thing, when we talk about love, love is what though, you know, we, you know and love is in, in, our, in our behavior. During for the COVID and knowing that, you know, we have a lot of, of loving application in our life that way. And number one is that when we first got locked down and I worry about, instead of worry about me, I worry about, you know, you know, my staff though. And then right away, I was in tears. Apparently, it was touched by Holy Spirit. Mm. And even though all, you know, all, all are locked down and everyone stay home, I offer 90% of the pay, you know, to the staff, even though they are not working. Oh. Because I knew that, you know, everyone or most of the people, they're living on the paycheck to paycheck thing then. 
you know, all of a sudden, how they are going to pay their mortgage and all this kind of thing. And without really knowing the deep inside the calculation, how much this thing would cost, you know, for this hundred of the staff. But the priority, like I mentioned, is about, you know, is it holy? Is it godly? Is it, is it the good thing to do, you know, to be nice to the people? And this is something, it was a lifelong dramatic imprint in our mind and same to our staff as well too. And then next thing is about, we worry about our guests too. And then we have tens of thousands of our previous guests. And then we took the time to call them. And that was not for, for any kind of business. At that time, there was no business. But, but seriously, we care for them only to find out that many of them that they are very isolated and they were mentally stressed. And uh, a call like this, though, was so warm. So we have many of our staff calling our previous, you know, our guests, and uh, we tell them, that, how are you doing, and so and so. And that kind of a genuine love in action, and that touched a lot of people's, people's heart that way. So this is the kind of uh, not the typical business, you know, behavior, but that pretty much inspired by the loving God who put us into a loving spirit. And so that we can turn a little bit, you know, from the, the negative into positive energy that way. And same thing, you know, we offer from time to time the seasonal thing like the Thanksgiving and the Christmas time. And then we offer the food basket to our staff. And then also in partnership with the local churches and we offer to the underprivileged people. So instead of about worry about the, this and that in such a, a huge challenging time, we try to see what we can do for other people. So that is an application of love in our life, in our work. That is definitely a demonstration of his love because uh, that was very profound. <laughs> that is not the typical business behavior. <laughs> doing that so that is such an example of of god moving in your life um larry did you um throughout your journey did you have time to uh like when you went back and saw your family did you uh, did you have brothers or sisters were you able to share your your faith with your family back home at any point yeah absolutely absolutely and um um as such though that we encourage each other and same thing that, um, you know, another dramatic um, incident to my sister, and uh, she had the cancer. She was dying. Same thing. And um, uh, I introduced her um, about my faith. And at the same time, it's not only me. And also, God sent many angels, you know, from Toronto to her. And uh, in the end, she turned to Christ because of that. But actually, it's not only my family. I would consider my family is pretty much the whole kingdom. Amen. And I don't see I don't see the people of different color, of different skin. And actually, many of our company's staff, they are from all over different world. Of course, you know, majority are local Canadian, and um, uh, quite a few of our, our 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 staff they turn to Christ because of what they experience in our company. And um, so share with you, 
that what do we do here other than um, what we are doing intentionally? We have uh, a, a, um, a set up a, a caring committee, and uh, it's just you know to help the people and, and raise up the people. And we have uh, a one and two part-time pastor working in the company as a company chaplain. Not necessarily they would talk to the staff, you know, in a very strong, you know, spiritual way, languages, and they were there to care. And so that, you know, because, uh, you know, and, and introducing people, our faith is not by talking. We have to really, really proving ourselves to be a living witness. As such, so after we build up a trusting relationship, then most likely they will accept, they will respect what we are talking about. And only then we earned the right to share our faith that way. So as such, so that basically everyone working, you know, out there, you know, we are the peace. And uh, it's not the pastor in the church preaching. We are all, you know, the pastor in where we are. So if everyone feel that they have this burden, this the calling, and they will do do good on their own as a good example. After that, though, the people would be curious to know you. Why you are you are behaving so good like that, though? After that, though, we have all the um, the, the touching story that we can share with them, and they will trust us hundred percent because of our trusting relationship. Yes. So in our company, we have for many many of the people you know turn to Christ, and also because of this relationship, and they will go to our pastor, the chaplains' churches, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it become a, a a very very trusting, loving community in a natural way. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, Larry, I also saw that you you had said you'd done some ministry trips back to China, but I also saw that you had also been to Cambodia and Paraguay. Yes, right. Uh, can you tell me what, or tell us what, well, what drew you to Cambodia and Paraguay? And then what did you do while you were over there? Well, basically, um, um, it's just by opportunity and a door opened by God. And um, so um, I have the opportunity, you know, from different kind of uh, local Canadian ministry, and the door was open to Paraguay. The, the the door was open, you know, to uh, different places there. And basically, it's uh, between my wife and myself. I got remarried again in the 2006, and so I have a good partner now. And uh, she's educator. So usually, you know, we contribute uh, individually. And uh, for me, I um, I basically go there to help as a, a, a trainer for leadership development, as well as a, as a marketplace ministry thing or the business as a mission. And um, so this is what we are doing. I, I tend to go there the same place every year, same thing. We got to go deeper. We're not all over the places. And uh, so we go there. And um, uh, so that, you know, we see, you know, the opportunity. We also and uh, expand the opportunity. For example, you know, uh, in Paraguay, we went there with our local pastor from Collingwood. And it was so interesting. And uh, when we went there, sure, everyone 
you know, uh, sort of looking for, you know, more funding. And then later on, so I, I listened, I, I thought about that. And then later on, and um, we tour and find out that, you know, in the place or, or, or the village, they have a couple of uh, university. So, and uh, Holy Spirit led me to share what I learned from Cambodia. And uh, one of many of the ministry I served in Cambodia was about the student dormitory ministry. And in Cambodia, and they have a ministry that um, they offer uh, a nice accommodation to the student university. And in there, so because they have a solid you know, platform, then they can evangelize them for the four years that they went to school. And I also went there to teach the student about, you know, um, the market-based ministry and leadership development, things like that. So that kind of model, I introduced it in, uh, in Paraguay. And uh, so I, and, and I was told that for the student, it cost them $65 US for transportation every month. And um, but it would take more than an hour or two hours to get to school. And then turn around using my social enterprise mind. And I thought about that. Hey, what about if we could help build a dormitory and then you can offer the accommodation to the student and you also charge them $65 a month? Absolutely. You have a full house because they were saving the time and things like that. But at that time, you can also, you can also, and, um, you know, and um, nurture them in a spiritual way. At the same time, it could be money-making there. And in that sense, though, then you don't need to worry about fundraising every year. Then you can have the service of this kind of uh, operation and to support some other, you know, and um, ministry and things like that. So it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a quite a diverse of combination of uh, different kind of experiences and putting different kind of puzzle together and then just consolidated into our spiritual mind. And that God gave us, you know, the, the, um, this inspirational idea. So it's, it's quite, uh, quite exciting and rewarding as well. What's, uh, what's next? What's your next couple of months look like for you? Are you, uh, cause I think we were talking, uh, that you were, you're going away again. Are you going on a ministry trip or are you going on a business trip? No, um, um, next next one is my family trip because I treasure the family time. But for the next two months, I can see a lot of door open, and I I I, I think um, that for the next few months, my focus will be local. As you know that you know in the Western world, and we are ha- having a lot of uh, challenges nowadays, and we have a uh, housing shortage, and we have inflation. And uh, we have, um, you know, the, much about the mental issue because of COVID and all these kind of things. And I feel that, you know, and taking of the people could be all over. Global is one thing, but, you know, our, our majority of our time is still local. So I, I really can see in the next few months will be something like that. And so as such, though, and uh, to share with you that ever since um, we um, – Coming out from the COVID, we have a local community support uh, meeting and we try to listen what is the current challenges and need 
And then we were told that it's something called working poor. And this is the terminology. Not too many people heard about that years ago, which means that, you know, even the people, you know, have, uh, you know, have a job, but they can be poor too because the housing is so expensive, the grocery is so expensive, and all this kind of thing. And many of the broken family, instead of two working parents and a single parent, things like that. So we start off um, in the company, and a few things which we would do, we make the connection and make it as a buying local. As such, though, we have a, something called the social financing, which means that we are able to buy the, the the local organic farm eggs, you know, at three dollars a dozen, compared to what you pay for seven dollars if they are organic, that kind of thing. Because we buy local, we buy buy direct, and then we share the all these costs, you know, directly without making money to all our staff. And that is really meaningful, multi-purposes too. Not only for the saving, but at the same time, it's it's good diet as well too. <laughs> and we do the same thing for the for the local, you know, uh, um, uh, for the beef as well too. The organic and and the local farm grass-fed beef, and same thing. You know, all this healthy organic thing can share a cost to the people, which means it's way cheaper than what they pay for. And then we are also talking about and not talking is it doing the greenhouse veggie farming and so and so. So even though you know this is um, not a very in a very commercial way, but this is um, uh, uh, something as a company that we can provide this kind of uh, holistic benefit, you know, to to the people. And then on their side, we are providing the subsidized staff housing rental housing to the staff though. And we take out the hotel room and turn it into the staffing housing because this is the first thing we need to take care of. That is our staff that way. And also that is, is uh, again, coming back to our company culture of about loving and caring. And sometimes we have to put the money in the mouth, you know, to, to, to prove that way as well. And so all this kind of thing is what? Bottom line is not a, a big monument achievement building, but it is a soft thing, though. The soft thing meaning that, you know, by doing so, we let God fulfill our heart, soften our heart into um, a experience, a spiritual experience, that we have a closer relationship with God because we are in policy with Him every day and He inspires us what to do in His way. But by doing so, and I call this thing, he filled up my love tank. As such, naturally, you know, my love tank can be easily spilled over to the people around us. Though. Accordingly, then we would have a good people relationship, a good loving people relationship that we are doing. And I think this is the main thing what God wants us to do is to be loving and in our life in a practical way that way. At the same time, we have to change for our, our our mainstream culture of me only and me first into we. Instead of about fighting, criticizing other people, other country, and then we better mind our, our business and do good. Don't forget our local and be good on ourselves 
be nice to our people, and we call this thing as a people center. It's not by any kind of a big word or the slogan, but it's it's a really practical, loving witness that we need to perform that way. And we are not here to change the world. That is God's business. But at the same time, though, don't underestimate ourselves, though, and that we can make a multiple good impact. You know, when we do well, you know, as as a model leader, and then the people will follow us then. And then we have 10, we have 100, and so and so, even though there's still nothing compared to the world, but at least we set a good model. If we can make a little bit of difference, that is enough. And then we'll be proud to see God one day in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Larry, thanks so much for your time today. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate hearing your story. And it's really interesting, too, because uh, the diversity of people's encounters with Jesus, because some people have these very sudden uh, encounters and and then others like yourself, you just but but the similarity, you know, that yours was more of a progressive over time. But the similarities is that oftentimes we're looking for our identity or our purpose. And in whatever we search for worldly, you know, we, we don't find it or something's missing and you found him and it's so reflective in your life and what you've been doing. And it's amazing that you can share that with your staff and represent him in the bigger picture of the marketplace. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Actually, we have lively witness story almost like every week that happened. And so it's just a joyful way that we experience, you know, this kind of a rewarding, inspirational experiences. Yeah. Uh, Larry, I have one final question for you. Um, Larry, if you, if you uh, briefly had a brief encounter with a, a young business person who came from the same background as you, they came from China and had, say, a Buddhist or, or no up, upbringing of any kind of religion at all. And they were they were coming here or wherever they were going, and you encountered them from business person to business person, knowing how God's changed your life. What would you say to them? I would say that um, you know, um, be eye opening and uh, looking for what is the real life and the meaning of life, and what seemed to be the better life that way. That is the first thing to do, and if you you know, our interests, and I'll tell you that I can point out to you to to um, uh, to Jesus, and uh, he will lead you the way, be your light, and uh, you will have a very fulfilling life, abundant life that you enjoy every day, which is almost impossible. And not because I'm promising you, or God will promising you, you have a smooth day every day. There's no such thing. But with God's being with us in our heart and guiding us though, and everything is supposed to be rewarding. When we're going through the adversity, the adversity may also have the meaning behind that you not necessarily know it today, but it will be good in the future to shape you to be a better person. So when you have a good time, definitely you know that, and that's not out from your good doing is also by God's grace though. So all this kind of upbeating, you know, understanding of adversity 
and the successes that make you be a very profound person and with joy every day. Thank you, Larry. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for giving me a chance to share. Yeah, really appreciate your story and bless you. Look forward to talking to you soon. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Loving and caring, friends. We all search for our identity. We all search for our purpose. And as Larry searched to branch out onto his own for his own identity, for his own purpose, but he found him and the loving and caring essence of what Jesus is, Jesus who is now in Larry, he is able to project that. If you allow him in, he will change your life and give you peace.